Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to be. The message for us today from Isaiah is that our crises of faith are times to trust the Lord. And the message is that not trusting the Lord is a real problem. And the message is that the Lord has given us every reason to trust Him because He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our King. The message today from Isaiah 7 and 8 and 9 is that we would be firm in faith. Now, sometimes it's easy to figure out where the passages start and stop in the book of Isaiah. Sometimes it's not so easy. Chapter 7, verse 1, all the way through chapter 9 and verse 7 has been seen by many commentators and scholars to be a single unit in Isaiah. Because, why? Because it all relates to a single historic event, context, and that is about King Ahaz. And because in this larger section, it's all about trust and the call to faith. And because in this larger section, we have the promises of God that come to us in the promises of a son, a Messiah. So for those reasons, chapter 7, verse 1, all the way through chapter 9, verse 7, we're taking as one passage. It's a passage about a historical crisis of faith, the ongoing call to be firm in faith. It runs throughout the text. It's a long section, and you're already wondering if I'm going to read it. (laughs) Usually I do, but not this morning. I'm going to read chapter 7, verses 1 through 14, because they sort of encapsulate the whole section. But we will touch on the rest. I want you to listen as we read. For the crisis of faith, I want you to listen for the call to trust and listen for the promise of God. So let's stand together in honor of God's word. Isaiah 7. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, reason the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. At the fierce anger of reason of Syria and the son of Remaliah, because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up to Judah 
and terrify it. And let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Syria, and the head of Syria is the son of Remalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. He said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Times of crises are tests of faith. And maybe you're in one today. You've been prayed for that this would be helpful to you. The question in these times, really the question all the time is, where and to what and to whom will we turn for help? Where will we go for stability and security? Will we go to the Lord or will we go to some other? Maybe a person, a place, a thing, maybe to ourselves. It's a very simple question for not-so-simple situations in life. In the not-so-simple situations of life, we have the promise of God's presence, Emmanuel. It means God is with us. And there we place simple, pure, full faith and trust in God. We must not let the complexities of life and the complexities of our current situation in life keep us from simple, real, full faith in God. Now I'm calling it simple faith, not because it's easy, and not because it's only for the simple things in life, but because faith is pure. Faith is all in. Faith is in one person, one place, God, before God. I'm calling it simple faith because we don't want to make it complicated with qualifiers like the what-ifs and the what-abouts that race through my head every time I want to trust God. We don't want to complicate it with conditions and backup plans 
and limit, limiting faith only to certain kinds of situations. Faith, trust in God who is able to handle the complexities of our lives is simple in that it's pure. It's all in with God because we come to see that God is the sovereign king, not Ahaz, not anyone else. God is the sovereign king over all. Simple faith in a sovereign God. It's so important, this faith is and this trust is, and so important is the obedience that follows this faith in trust that to not trust and obey God leads to all kinds of harm. Unbelief is mistrust and it's a real problem. And that's what we see in the account of King Ahaz of Judah. There's a lot of history to this king. We only get a small portion of it here in Isaiah, but I want you today or this week to read from 2 Kings chapter 16. You can just jot that down, 2 Kings chapter 16 and 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles 16, 2, or I'm sorry, 2 Kings 16, 2 Chronicles 28, and you'll read about the history of Ahaz. I'm going to give you a bit of it today. Now remember that there's one nation, Israel, but it's split into two parts. And remember that the northern part is called Israel. Clue in our text, Ephraim is also a reference to Israel. Those can get confusing, I know, but Ephraim that we've read about is also a reference to Israel. So one nation, Israel, split into the northern part remained known as Israel or Ephraim. The southern part was known as Judah. Jerusalem was the center, the capital of Judah. And King's Dave, King David's lineage was in Judah and Jerusalem. It's very important because God had earlier promised that King David was going to have a son who was always going to be on the throne. That's why the house of David continues to be mentioned here. And that son is going to rule forever. It's a reference to the Messiah. Ahaz was king in Judah. He was of the house of David. He was in Jerusalem. From about 730 to about 715 B.C., Ahaz was king here, and he was the grandson of Uzziah that we read about in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Ahaz was a sinful man. The Bible says, quote, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. It is only by the grace of God that he's even in Isaiah 7 being given an opportunity to trust God because he did evil in the sight of God. We could summarize the sins of Ahaz this way. He did not trust in the Lord to protect Judah. He did not treat the Lord as holy by being obedient to the Lord and honoring the Lord before all the people of Judah. He turned to other nations to protect him and to protect Judah. And when he did that, he took on their ways of worship. 
He sacrificed to pagan gods and to idols. He directly, not indirectly, not by mistake, he directly violated the command of God to have no other gods but the Lord God. Example, when the Syrian army was successful, Ahaz looked and saw their success and thought that it would be a good idea for him to get some of the favor of the Syrian pagan gods so he went and saw the altar that was built in Damascus where the, Samir, where the Syrians worshiped and he had a, a copy of it built in Jerusalem so that he could sacrifice on it. Another time to get the Assyrian king to help him against Syria and Israel, our context today, he took silver and gold from the house of the Lord and paid off the king of Assyria to protect him. And it gets worse. Ahaz went so far in his failure of trust and obedience to the Lord that he sacrificed his own sons to the pagan deities for protection, which was an abomination to the Lord. It is shocking the things that humans can do when they don't trust and obey the Lord. And we might think, oh, well, that was back in ancient civilization before mankind evolved morally. And this summer, I had the opportunity, my wife and I had the opportunity to visit Auschwitz-Birkenau. And I realized we've not evolved at all. So this is the man that we're considering in Isaiah chapter 7. As shocking as the sins of human beings can be, more amazing is the grace of God that He would continue to come and speak and give opportunity for repentance. Now before we think that Ahaz is alone in his depravity and therefore we have nothing to gain from him today, we need to remember that unbelief and mistrust, which is at the heart of Ahaz's problem, begins as a seed in the heart. And then when it's allowed to take root, it grows. And unbelief in God grows into the kind of unfaithfulness and misdeeds that we see even in Ahaz. The signs of unbelief don't have to become and be as obviously sinful to reveal unbelief. The same mistrust results in sins to the degree that the situation seems to require small sins for small troubles, big sins for big troubles like Ahaz. But it's the same unbelief in the heart. So we all have something to see of ourselves, even in Ahaz. Not necessarily his outward sins, but his crisis of faith and his tendency toward mistrust. So what is Ahaz's crisis of faith? It's in verses 1 and 2. It's also recorded in 2 Kings chapter 16. Here it is. 
two kings, one from Syria and, hard to believe this, one from Israel. Israel are the cousins, the brothers of Judah. But they've now come together and they, they want to come up against Judah and they want to remove Ahaz and they want to put another king in his place so that they can get all the armies of Judah to fight with them against the Assyrians. The Assyrians are the most ruthless power at the time. Understandably, the text tells us that they were afraid. Now, that's an understandable thing, but it's not an excuse for their sin. And if you've ever been afraid, my point this morning, and I don't think the text point this morning, is to tell you to never have the emotion of fear. You are a human, and you will have the emotion of fear. But what the text is telling us is that it's not a reason. It's not, it's not an excuse for disobedience to the Lord. It says that they shook. Look at verse 2, they, 1 and 2 and, and following there. They shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Now, like Israel, coming out of the exodus from their slavery in Egypt, Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is a test of faith. The Lord said that about the first time he brought his people out of slavery. He said, I brought you out here and I'm testing your heart. I want to expose and reveal your heart to let you see and turn and trust me. It's a test of faith. And he's revealing the heart of Ahaz in this passage, verses 3 through 9. The Lord then sends a message to Ahaz through Isaiah. Isaiah brought his son along. Interesting how the messages of the Lord through this whole long text we're looking at today come through four children, two from Isaiah to a promised Messiah. Here's the first one from Isaiah. His son is Shir Jashub, which means a remnant will return. So Hezekiah is out at the water gates. He's looking and inspecting the water gates and the water supply because he's about to go into battle. And Isaiah shows up with a son whose name is a remnant will return. What's the message? Well, it could be only a remnant will return. Or it could be a remnant will return. Or it could be both which I believe it is. I believe Ahaz has a, an opportunity here. God will save a remnant. Will he be faithful? If he's not faithful, God will save a remnant. Verses 4 through 9, this is the message. Be careful, he says. So in the middle of his fear, Ahaz hears the message of the Lord. Be careful. Why? Because we sin when we're afraid. Be quiet, he says. Oh, this is so hard. Be quiet, he says. Because we sin with what we say. I cannot tell you how many times the words have gotten just far enough out of my mouth to be able to see them, and I wish I could reel them back in because they reveal something about me. Be careful. Be quiet. What we say reveals about us, and we sin in what we say. He says, do not fear, and do not let your heart 
be faint. Again, we read that and we're perplexed. We say, wait a minute, I'm a human. Isn't there a built-in fight or flight? Isn't the fear response actually helpful to us at times? Well, the Lord is not telling us not to be humans. He's saying don't let the human emotion direct us and cause us to sin against him. Don't acknowledge the human emotion, but don't let the human emotion of fear cause us to trust another. Don't let it cause us to turn from the Lord. We need to pray for each other. This is real. This is a a dynamic of the heart that is going on all the time in ourselves and in other people. Fear. And it's real and it's a human emotion and we're being told to be careful and to be quiet and to trust the Lord. We need to pray for each other because this is the crisis of faith. Verse seven, the Lord says, the plan The evil that has been planned against you will not stand. 65 years and Ephraim, remember that's another reference to Israel. 65 years and Israel will be shattered. The Assyrians defeated and deported some of the people out of Samaria and Israel. and They resettled it and Israel didn't look like the same people 65 years later. And he says to Ahaz of Judah, don't you, Judah, Ahaz, don't you turn to Assyria in your fear, in your mistrust. Don't you turn to them for your protection. Trust the Lord. And if you do turn to them, he says, you too will be conquered. Verse 9, the end of it. Some of the most powerful words of God to us. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Is it a warning? Is it a call? Again, it's both. He's warning Ahaz. Ahaz, you can't stand. You can't stand in life. You can't stand before an enemy. You can't stand before God without faith. It's it's another calling to him. The only way to remain is to trust in the Lord. Trust and obey the Lord. This is Ahaz's crisis of faith. It's also an opportunity to trust. The events of the moment, two kings coming up against him to conquer him, to, to dethrone him, to set up another king, to go after this series, the whole historic situation here are events that require faith. And how would we know? How would Ahaz know if he had faith? A heart of trust? A heart, a mind, a mentality, a thought process that turns to the Lord and calls out to him instead of turning to to, to Assyria? And then a faith in action that obeys the Lord and says, Lord, help me to do what you've called me to do and be who you've called me to be and give honor to your name. Are you here? Do you even realize that you're here? It takes something. It takes spiritual awakening. It takes the the work of grace and the work of the Holy Spirit to even open our eyes to the fact that what we are going through 
is, we know it's a crisis, but it is also an opportunity to trust. Do you even know that the crisis that you're in is an opportunity to trust the Lord? Years ago, when I was going through a trial and a crisis of my own, and it was about leadership, and I didn't think I was up for the task, and in fact, I wasn't up for the task, but the Lord was, and I was in a crisis of faith and I'm like oh Lord why don't you do this or that I wanted everything except to have to trust I wanted the Lord to work in my life in such a way that I didn't have to have faith and it dawned on me and I've carried this phrase with me since and I forget it all the time I have to remind myself God will not orchestrate events in my life that do not require faith and so every day, in your life, in my life, in numerous small ways, and some days in some very, very obvious ways, we are called to trust God. We're called to turn to Him. And the evidence of that turning is we are called to submit to His Word, to His will, to His ways, and to obey Him. So that's the call to Ahaz. But somewhere, look at verses eight, or 9 and 10. It ends with, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And then verse 10 again. Sometimes, sometime between verses 9 and 10, it seems that some time had passed and that Ahaz did not trust the Lord. And so verse 10, the Lord again spoke to Ahaz. And verse 11, the Lord said, I want you to ask for a sign and verse 12, Ahaz says, I will not ask for a sign. I will not put the Lord God to the test. Now, that's what's going on here? Uh, Deuteronomy 6 says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And so Ahaz is unbelieving. He does not have a heart of faith. So he reaches back to a command he heard somewhere. It's about time, you know, now he's going to obey a command. He reaches back to a command somewhere that says, don't put your Lord God to the test. And he throws it back up to God and says, see, I can't ask you for a sign because you told me not to, not to test you, not to, not to make you prove yourself. The problem is, the Lord told him to ask for a sign. And it's actually putting the Lord to the test not to ask for the sign when the Lord is the one who tells you to ask for the sign. His refusal to ask is a refusal to trust. Again, a failure of faith. Verse 14, the Lord said, okay, I will give you a sign anyway. Now watch for signs. Lord, give me a sign. Or don't. Watch those signs. The Lord says, I'll give you a sign. And here another child enters the picture. A son. A son born of a virgin. Now, in the context of Isaiah 7, the virgin was a virgin at the time of the prophecy. And then, probably, she lived in the house of Ahaz, so that Ahaz would know who this woman was. And soon after the prophecy, she married, and she gave her son the name Emmanuel. And that was Ahaz's sign from God. God is with us. 
The sign is, Ahaz, you should trust the Lord because the Lord is with his people. Emmanuel, God is with us. The Lord is with his people. And your refusal to trust in the Lord is your refusal of the presence of God. You're refusing, you're despising the glorious presence, which Isaiah has already accused the people of that. You despise the glorious presence of God. Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a promise if you trust it. But if you refuse it, Emmanuel is a sign that is a witness against you. That's what happened to Ahaz. Now, as the word unfolds and history continues, we come to see from the book of Matthew in the New Testament that the prophecy of a son in Isaiah chapter 7, whose name is Emmanuel, is ultimately fulfilled in a son who is born to a virgin who remained a virgin at the time of the conception and the birth, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the presence of God with us, and as the story unfolds, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, delivers us from the great enemy, not the enemy of Syria and Israel or Assyria or Babylon, but the enemy of our own sin. And like with Ahaz, the promise of God's presence in Christ to deliver us from sin and its death is for those who believe. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Maybe you've heard Emmanuel at Christmas only. And you'll hear it again this Christmas at Grace. But it's September. And Emmanuel is for today. And it's this. God is with us. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death. What does that mean? It means in your place and in my place for our sin. And on the third day, he arose from the dead. And all who believe, firm in faith, all who believe in Emmanuel, Jesus, will be washed cleansed of sin, raised up with Christ to walk in newness of life, set in the direction of following Christ by faith. Do you believe this? Come to Christ today. I can't finish the text. I can't talk about Ahaz any longer without stopping to say, here's your opportunity. Trust Christ. Be firm in faith. So again, we see that Ahaz, back to Ahaz now, we see that Ahaz did not trust the Lord, and I'm going to have to speed up for the rest of the text because I said it's long. Beginning in chapter 7, verse 18 and following, because Ahaz refused to trust the Lord, even though God gave him the sign, said he would give him the sign, he refused, and so God said he would judge the people. Assyria, where Ahaz has turned for help instead of turning to the Lord, will turn 
on Ahaz and Judah eventually. Isn't that what happens to the things that we trust other than God, the people that we trust, the things that we place our trust in? They eventually become snares to us. They turn on us. Chapter 8, there is a, another sign, another sign of judgment because Ahaz has another son. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Isaiah has a son, a second son. His name is Mer Shalal Hashbaj. I'll say that once. <laughs> it means quick to plunder, swift to spoil. Assyria is on its way to Syria and Israel, just as the Lord said, to plunder and to take the spoil. But Ahaz would not listen. Judah will stand for a while, for a short time, but the clouds are forming. The skies are dark in chapter 8 because the people are not obeying the Lord. Interestingly, in chapter 8, verse 11 and following, the context of a failed king, Ahaz, the Lord speaks directly to Isaiah and to his disciples. And he says, don't you be fearful of these conspiracies you fear the Lord you honor the Lord as holy you wait for the Lord you hope in the Lord don't you like my people who are in sin are doing turn to the pagans the mediums the spiritists don't you turn there seeking wisdom no you inquire of the Lord and of his word that's faith that's the life of faith. And Isaiah has committed himself to this. And then we come to chapter 9. In the context of a failed king, Ahaz, and the darkness that looms over a nation, another child, another son comes on the scene. Verse 2 of chapter 9, he is light in darkness. The people who walk in darkness see a great light. Verses 6 and 7, a child is born. A son is going to be given. He is going to be a king. He's going to be a true King And this true king being prophesied about is going to carry a government upon his shoulders. That means he's going to have a kingdom. He's going to have a rule. And he's going to, look what it says, reign forever and ever without end. And they're going to call this son, this child, who becomes a king over a kingdom by the names of Wonderful Counselor. He is the very wisdom of God leading to life. They're going to call him mighty God. He is deity taking on humanity. They're going to call him everlasting father. He's going to care over his people. They're going to call him prince of peace. He's going to, his rule is going to settle all the disputes. And his rule is going to settle a people before God, forgiven and reconciled to God. And verse 7, the last line, is a beautifully powerful, hope-giving line. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord. Zeal, that's a good word, isn't it? It's a strong word. It's a combination of things. Purpose and passion and pursuit and 
power. It's all wrapped up together in a word called zeal. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to do this. What is this? This is going to bring light into darkness through a son, a child given who will rule over a kingdom forever and ever. And once again, we read in the Bible that he has a name. And his name is Jesus. The Lord will do this. In other words, the Lord didn't even let the rebellion and the evil of Ahaz keep him from keeping a remnant in Judah, the line of David, through whom would come the Messiah. I can only imagine if I lived in Ahaz's day, I would be thinking hopeless, hopeless. How many times have you said it? You have, come on, hopeless. You say it about your life, you say it about our country, you say it about our world, you say hopeless. Well, maybe from a human perspective, but the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to accomplish His will. And that is the message of Isaiah. And that is every reason that we should not be like Ahaz, but we should be like Isaiah and be faithful. So what is the message for us today? In light of this unfolding history, getting us to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, the child, the son, the king. We back up to verse 7, and I'll summarize it this way. Be careful. Brothers and sisters, be careful. Be quiet. Don't fear. Don't faint. Now you may have to say that to yourself every day, five, ten, fifty, a hundred times a day. And some of us may have to say that every day until we die. This isn't a once for all, I'm over it kind of a thing. Let's be careful in our crisis of faith that we don't turn somewhere else. Let's be careful that we don't trust another. Let's be careful that we've got our minds and our hearts fixed and focused on Jehovah God who will keep us in perfect peace. Let's don't be fearful. Let's don't faint. Let's pray for each other. I'm standing here right now, and I'm going to reveal to you my mind and my heart, and it's this. I am preaching so far over my head, it is unbelievable. I'm talking about us. Verse 9 of chapter 7. Let's be firm in faith. 
Let's trust Christ. Trusting Christ does not look like passivity. It looks like obedience. Let's obey. Reject everything and every scheme that sets God aside as irrelevant. And watch that. Be careful. Watch in your mind, in your heart, when you just start to suggest with just a feeling, not even words, that God can't handle this. Be careful. Reject everything, every scheme that sets God aside as irrelevant. Reject everything that doubts God's sovereignty over all. Reject everything that questions God's care over your life. Reject everything that leads to trust somewhere else and disobedience to God. And then entrust. Entrust your life. Entrust yourself. Entrust your past. All of the sins of your past. Entrust them to Christ to forgive you. Entrust your failures to Christ. Your failures of faith. Entrust your present the crisis you're in right now, entrust it to the Lord by faith. Entrust your future to the Lord. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes after you leave this building, and I don't either. But we have to entrust our future to the Lord. If we are not firm in faith, we will not be firm at all. And let's pray for one another. Because right now, you may feel jazzed up and juiced up and say, let's go. But five minutes after you leave, there may be another crisis of faith. May God give us grace. Father, thank you for your word today.